thank you so much for being here on this wet day and for you to come out. And just is so kind. I thought this would be a great time to acknowledge uh, so many people that help in so many different ways here at our church, and especially those who are outside parking cars and just being in the rain. And just the attitude is incredible. And, uh, you know, I just would ask that, that you would pray with me in a moment, just that the Lord God would kind of just uh, protect them from any of this, this cold that's going around and, and so many people feeling sick and they're out there in the rain. I, I was coming, I, you know, I, I came in this morning and all of a sudden now I'm parking close to the church. I never used to do that. feel a little guilty about that, but uh, I'm doing as I'm told. But I'm parking there and, and I, I'm walking out and, and it was sprinkling and so I'm, you know, running because I have my T-shirt and I'm carrying my shirt so I don't wrinkle it, you know, and I'm running towards the door and I see the guys out there putting out the cones and pushing stuff around. And I thought, oh, my gosh. I, I, I instantly thought, Lord, who's more important here? And so I, I stopped and, and, and thanked them. And, and I, you know, there's no way we can thank people enough for what you do here at this church, um, all of you, in one way or another. But let's pray for the people that have just been out there in the cold and rain. Father, would you please... In your kindness, uh, just watch over them. Um, thank you, Father, that we can come to you and, and ask all sorts of things. Just watching out for people catching colds and the flu season. And then, Father, yesterday, um, going over and seeing a, a dear man, his wife, um, and he's dying of cancer. And uh, just how the family is so supporting him and supporting one another and, and just praying for them. and. There's so many needs, I'm sure, here in this, um, in this church right now of people who um, are calling upon your heart to watch over them, calling upon your name to care for them. And may we exalt you, Father. May it be our purpose in life, like King David, to say all the victory is yours, the majesty is yours, all dominion, Father, all upon this earth and in the heavens above are yours. And we just call you God. We call you our loving Father. And we thank you that we can come before you. And we thank you, Father, that uh, you've given us a son um, who would go to the cross and die and shed his blood for each of us so that we might have life. It is such an amazing plan that you concocted, Father, that you brought us to come to know you simply by faith because of what your son did those things that we could not do in our sin and our sinfulness, He did. And so, Lord, while I'm thinking of it, would you please bless this service? Would you open up our minds, our hearts, our eyes, our thoughts, that we might behold wonderful things from your most precious word? Would you teach us, Father, what you would desire to, for us to know? Would you help us as a body of believers to be the church, Father, that you've called us to be? Would you please bless us, Father? We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, I love you folks. Love you so much. Love you so much. Um, what we're going to talk about today is, is it's not a picnic for any pastor because it always feels like you're meddling. You know, you're, For those of you that are visiting, I want you to know that this is pretty much, this service is pretty much in-house. This, this is a a type of a message that, that belongs kind of in the living room of the house and where you sit together and you make a plan and you talk about what are we, want, what are we going to become? What is this all about? 
What is our church going to look like? We, we started off in a journey looking at Acts chapter 2 in the 42nd verse, and we saw that uh, the apostles said to the people who had freshly come to believe in Jesus Christ that they needed to be continually devoted. And within that place in Scripture, there are six different things that are mentioned, four of them in verse 42, and they are to be continually devoted to the teaching of the apostles, to fellowship with one another, to communion, the breaking of bread, and also to prayer. But then it also mentions that there is a need for them to support one another, for their financial giving so as to support the work of the Lord and also to praise and worship. And so if you're visiting, this is kind of an in-house time. We'd love for you to listen in. We'd love for you to pray for us. We'd love for you to to be a part in any way that you you see fit. But this reminds me of a time like... um, I miss these times, you know, when your kids are younger and yet they're old enough to con- con- to understand and, and know what, what we're trying to do as a family. And You'd sit down and you'd say, what are we doing this year? Where are we going? What, what are some of your dreams? And what are some of your hopes? And what are some of your plans? And what do you expect from mom and dad? What do you want this house to look like? What are we, what are we striving to become? And, uh, and, and that was a fun time for me. Now my kids have their own kids. And Hopefully someday they'll, they'll make those uh, conversations with their children. But it was a fun time to find out where we were trying to go as a family and how our, our kids wanted to challenge themselves and, 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 and challenge us. And it just was a great time. This reminds me of that. Whatever this church is to become, you need to recognize that you hold the key. We have the dreams, the staff, and... We think about what we want to do, but you hold the key. You hold the whole purpose of what we are to be as a church through using your gifts so you equip each other so that we can do the work of service, so as to build up the body of Christ. You hold the key. Each of us individually has a, has a part of this church if it's truly yours. I'm not a visionary. Never been one. Don't claim to be one. In the vernacular of athletics, I'm a plow horse is what I am. I'm that, I'm that, that mule that has his head down and strapped something on his back and just takes one step at a time and every once in a while looks up, oh, this is where we're going. You know? <laughs> That's me. We have people that are really visionaries, see where we're going. But what we try to do more than anything else, and it's, I... I I want to put this in our hearts and I want to put it in your heart. And if I can do anything this service, this would be important. Whatever your dreams are for your family or yourself or this church, it ought not to be that you go off in this direction and say, this is where we're going. This is what we want to do. And and God's over here and you say, come on, God. Come on, bless us. Get, Get over here. No, I think the dream that you and I should have, especially here for this church, is to put our heads down to pray to God and see what is he doing with us. Where does he want us to go? What is his plan and dream? What does it appear like he wants to do? And when we see him moving in this direction, instead of us being over here, we ought to comply and move right alongside of him and say, bless us, Lord, as we follow you. That's the purpose of a church. That's the purpose of a family. That's the purpose of a life. And so we've come to a place in Scripture that talks about something that's very personal to you and to 
every one of us. And that's the whole idea of our finances. What do we do with the monies that the Lord God has given to us? I can, it's easy for me to preach about your, 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 your spiritual gifts, that, that God has given you spiritual gifts, and you ought to take that gift and give it back to him in this whole cycle of giving. And the promises that God makes to you and me, if we do it, if we, if we use what he has given us, how he will over, overflow our barns, he will so bless us in so many ways. Well, that's easy for me to talk about, and your talent, to use that to the Lord, and your time. But when it gets to your pocketbook, that's really personal. And so what I want to say to you today is what the Bible has to say about giving and what you're not going to hear from this church is this: you should give this much or that much. What you're going to hear from this church is what the Lord God has said to all people who give to support the ministry that he has begun for, in this, for this instance in his church. Oh, did I, I didn't say about... Uh, there's two things I wanted to say. Um, um, there's a, this Wednesday... Men, we have what we call mob here at this church. If you've not been involved, don't let that stop you from coming this Wednesday night. We're going to meet Wednesday here in the multi-purpose room at 6 o'clock in the evening. We're going to have a bite to eat. We're going to have some fellowship. We're going to overview the study of the book of Genesis. We're going to look at the legacy of Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. We want you to come. If you have not been a part to this point, don't let that stop you. Come anyways because we want to get to know each other. If you say, I'd come, but I can't get involved, I'm just way too busy at this point in time. Come anyways if that evening is free. We still want to get to know you and want you to know us. And so please come and be a part of that. We have what is called Third Friday. Third Friday is, uh, is on uh, the 15th of February. It's the day after Valentine's Day. Pastor Bill, who is incredible, in my opinion, just a wonderful preacher of the Word of God. He's going to speak to us on true love, but we're also going to have Brent and Melissa Slazak and Wes and Paula Porter there, and they're going to be talking about, I don't even know, because I don't want to know. I want to come just like you and be blessed and, and to see what's going to take place that evening. And so if you would, please, the dinner begins at 6 o'clock, and, and there's a, a way to sign up uh, so that we know that you're coming and we can order enough food. And also, if there's any um, uh, child care, um, whatever, we'd love for you to come and be a part. Please support the things that we're doing that you can. And let us know what you think. And if we're moving in this direction and, we think, and you think God's moving over here, let us know so we don't kick against our Lord. Now, let's, let's start talking about this, this very, very important message. What you'll see as they put this up on the board, is that we're going to look through a lot of different verses. What I'm going to try to do for you and for me is to convince us that God desires for you and me to give. He desires for us to be a part of what he has begun in the community. Now, what I am going to say, you'll probably not hear at many churches. And what I'm going to say is that there is no amount that you should give other than that amount that you feel in your heart you can give. That's what this church is going to say to you. Within the scriptures, the Old Testament and the New Testament, there are two types of giving that is proclaimed. One is called required. Required giving was a tax. 
It was what we get the word tithe from, a tenth. The nation of Israel was required, required to give three times annually to the government to support it, to the poor, a welfare program, and to the Levites, who were the spiritual leaders of the, of the nation of Israel. That was required of them to give three times a year. That was called where we get the whole notion of a tithe. In the New Testament, God had a pattern for our giving unto the Lord, and it was not tithing. It was not 10%. It was not required. Required giving was making people give to support the government, the poor, the the Levites, who were the spiritual leaders of Israel. Free will giving was not to allow people to feel the pressure to give. Now we're going to start looking at different places in Scripture. Look with me, please, at 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7. We looked at this last week. It is... It is unbiblical, hear me now, it is unbiblical for the church or anyone to make you feel as though you have to give, that you were forced to give. Paul taught, when we give unto the Lord, we are not to be forced. Look what he says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. There's a lot in this verse. It says, it starts by just saying two words, each one. When it comes to giving, each one of us ought to give. Last week I made mention, what if there are two incomes within the family? Which income do you give unto the Lord? Well, the Bible says that each one must do. The word must there is a command. The Lord God expects you and me to give. But what must we do? We must do just as we have purposed in our hearts, not grudgingly, nor under compulsion, because God loves a cheerful giver. And so your free will offering to the Lord ought never to be under pressure or or coercion. It should not be that you feel like you have to give. I don't know that we're going to do this, but it would be my desire, if everything goes as as I hope, that we don't have offerings during the service any longer, that we don't pass a plate. Because there's, a, there's that pressure, you know, ooh, they're going to see, how do I, what do I give? You know, put that in, you know. And, you know, I, I'm hoping that you will do as I think many families do. I can only use mine as an example because I don't ask much about it. My wife and I gather together and we decide... How much money do we feel that we will make this particular year? And we take that amount of money and we say, this is what we want to give to the Lord off of the top. This is what we want to give. And we decide that we give it monthly. And so we write a check, and every month we hand in that check. If we are on vacation, we don't figure, we don't have to give. This is our home. If we're on vacation, we still give that check unto the Lord. I mean, just because you're on vacation doesn't mean the lights don't have to go on. I mean, you might not be here, but we still are. We need to have this church function. And so each of us ought to give as we've purposed in our hearts, not grudgingly, but where we can give cheerfully because God 
loves someone who can cheerfully give to him. So your offering should never be under pressure. Our giving unto the Lord ought to be something that comes directly from your heart to the Lord God himself, offered without any pressure, given, as the Bible says, cheerfully and with willingly unto the Lord. Not, that's not what a tithe represented. Now, what, the reason I think that so many churches ask for a tithe is because the, the pastor won't study the Bible enough to find out how we are supposed to give. Plus, it at least gives people the motive to give. You know, you, you, you at least start to get into their pocketbook. And so they say, well, everyone should tithe. Well, that's not biblical. And where I think they get that idea is out of the book of Hebrews, the seventh chapter. Look at it for me, with, with me for a moment. In Hebrews chapter 7, Abraham had just had a tremendous battle with, this, with the kings of wherever, and he won and, and just took all sorts of their bounty. He took all kinds of money. He had more money than he knew what to do with. And he bumps into this man called Melchizedek. And it says, look, in, in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1, for this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham as he was returning from the slaughter of the kings, and he blessed him. To whom also Abraham apportioned a tenth part of all the spoils. A tenth part. And by this, we get the idea that we are supposed to tithe. That's a tenth. A tenth means, tithe means a tenth. But, listen now, listen closely. We are never told that God requested or made Abraham give this amount to Melchizedek. It was not a command. It was not required that he give of this bounty that he took from the kings when he slaughtered them, as it says in verses 1 and 2 of Hebrews 7. Throughout all of Abraham's years, 160 of them, we are never told that God is never recorded either before or after this event here that we read in, in Hebrews 7 that Abraham ever gave a tenth or a tithe like this again. This is the only time that we read that Abraham gave this tenth. It also indicates that it wasn't a tenth of his income that was done annually. It simply implies from Hebrews chapter 7, that Abraham chose to give a certain amount to Melchizedek. Now, here's what's really important. This is when we study the Bible that it is really good to understand or to have someone that can explain or find a very reputable commentary that can tell you what the Greek words mean. Because the word there, the Greek word there for give in Hebrews is A-K-R-O-N. T-H-I-N-I-A-N. It is the word that comes from A-K-R-O-N, Akron. It means the pinnacle. It means the top of the top. It means the very best. What it is saying in Hebrews chapter 7 is that Abraham gave to Melchizedek the best of what he had to offer. In other words, of all the bounty that he collected, he gave to Melchizedek, out of his own heart, Abraham did, the very best of the best. We can call it, as we're going to see in a moment, the first fruits. As we said last week, the whole idea of a tenth or a tithe in the Old Testament 
came to represent the total or the whole of something. They counted by tens, ten fingers, ten toes. That's the way they counted in those days. And so a tenth was giving of one's best or all. Required giving was a tax. They were made to give three times annually to the nation of Israel for the government, for the poor, and for the Levites. The Levites, the spiritual leaders, they didn't have to do a thing. God supplied through the the giving for their food, their clothing, their place to stay. Those lazy bums, they should... Oh, that's us. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Required giving, therefore, was a tax. Now, I want to show you what it means to, to give free will, to give out of your heart. It is called, turn to Numbers chapter 18, would you please, while I'm talking about this place. It is called free will giving or the giving of your first fruits. It is what God expects from you and me. What God expects from us, whatever you do unto the Lord ought to be your very, very best. Whether it's taking care of the kids whether it's working behind there as the the tech team, whether it's the preacher. I mean, the the staff gives me the greatest privilege of all, and that's to study all week so as to be as prepared as I can be to do the best that I can do concerning the message. And I've never, to this day, in all the years that I've preached, I've never came into the pulpit where I haven't given the Lord my best. In fact, we were talking about it. We were just talking a moment ago about, you know, sometimes you feel down, you know, and, and you don't feel like you really, you don't feel like preaching that day. I've never had that. I've had that feeling beforehand. I've had that feeling driving here. I had that feeling somewhere. But by the time I get through praying, by the time I get through asking the Lord to bless this time, by the time I get through worshiping and listening to the music, I can't wait to get up here. And that's been true Almost every time, I can say there's only a couple times, and I won't tell you about those times, but they're very personal, and uh, they were a very difficult time in my life. But for the most part, I've always got into the pulpit and just couldn't wait to give the best that I had to offer. And that's what God asks of you and me. No matter what we do to Him or for Him, it ought to be our best, the first fruits. And so that's what He asks of us to give to Him. And so first fruit giving or free will giving is not based on the amount that you give. That's, that's not critical. What it's based upon is your attitude when you give. It's based on the quality of your gift. It is based on the value of your gift. It is based on the excellence of it, freely given unto the Lord. So in Numbers chapter 18, God is speaking to Aaron. Aaron was a part of the Levites, part of the giving unto the Lord. It says in verse 8, The Lord spoke to Aaron, Now behold, he says, I myself have given you charge of my offerings. In other words, what the people are giving to the, the, the tribe of the Levites, I let you be in charge of this, Aaron. It's given all the holy gifts of the sons of Israel. I have given them to you as a portion and to your sons as a perpetual allotment. Go back down now to verse 12. Here's what the people are to give. All the best of the fresh oil, all the best of the fresh wine and of the grain, the first 
fruits of those which they give to the Lord, I give to you. And so what we learn from this place in Scripture, and there are others, but this is really a good place, is that we are to give all our best unto the Lord. Remember, a tenth came to represent the total, the whole of what you have, the top of the top. It was giving all the best, the very first fruits. And so you'll note here in in Numbers chapter 18, when they gave unto the Lord, they were to give gifts that were given the best of what they had, the best of their oil, best of their grain, best of their fresh wine. They were to give the first fruits. In other words, the very best of the crop that was just grown. That's the way they gave in those days. They didn't give money. They gave animals or they gave grain or they gave wine. That's, that's the way they gave. But today we give our finances, what we, what we receive from the Lord through the, our work. So God's plan, God's plan, folks, hear me now. God's plan of your and my free will offerings, our first fruit giving, were to give to the Lord what you could willingly give him the best that you had to offer. You know, last week I said kind of flippantly, I've never heard this, I've never gone to this pastor, I know who he is, I've never gone to him and asked, but I think I know the answer before, but I've never gone. And I told you a story about this musical family, they got this, they had their piano and they got a brand new piano. And they went to give the the, the used piano to the, the church and the pastor says, no, when you give to the Lord, you, you give him your, your brand new piano. You keep the used one. Well, I think that takes a lot of courage to say that. I don't think I would ever say that to you. But what he was doing, the pastor was teaching them a wonderful lesson. If you're going to give to the Lord, you give the very best you have to offer. As I understand it, the family did give him the best piano. That's, that, that's neither here nor there. But you are to give your best. The amount, that's between you and the Lord. And we're going to show you that in a moment or two. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 11, please. I want to show you the principle. And there are so many places in Scripture that I can um, verify what I'm about to say. But the principle of why we give the best to the Lord is that you and I will never, ever be able to outgive the Lord. It's impossible. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, it says... There is one who scatters. In other words, someone who just gives. Gives, 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 gives. And yet increases all the more. You know, when I told you this again last week. I learned to give through my wife. My wife gave anything and everything away that wasn't tied down. That was her... Her joy was to give. Her joy was to share. When we were first married... My mom and my dad, the only example I had in marriage was watching my parents. Great people, but it was, I didn't marry my mom. I would have had a great marriage have I married my mom, but I married Kay. And Kay and my mom were both wonderful people, but they were very un, not alike. Man, this might be a good lesson for all of you to listen to this. So I saw my dad. My mom, when she was 94, died. She never once drove a car. She came from the old country. She didn't drive. She was a thoroughbred housekeeper. That was, her, that was her joy. Raising her children, keeping a house, that was her joy. She loved it. Never drove a car. My dad drove. My dad gave her the money. She'd go to the grocery store. She'd get what we need. Dad took care of all the money. I thought, that's it. That's the way to do it. So that's what I did. 
Now, I can't count to seven without making a couple of mistakes. I just can't do it. It's just not in me. So I'm trying to take care of the money, and we're not doing so good. So I, I go to Kay like we do. We talk through things. I says, what do you think's wrong? She says, well, if, if, if it's okay with you, she said, I'd like to try to handle our finances. I said, okay. And all of a sudden, we start doing really well. The more we gave, the more she took care of our finances, the better our house did. I learned a great lesson. It's good to delegate as a husband <laughs> to your wife what you can't handle. Because more than likely, she can. So here it is. There is one who scatters and yet increases all the more. I learned that lesson. There is one who withholds that is justly due and yet results only in want. That was me. I didn't want to give anything away. I wanted to keep, hoard everything for a rainy day or two. And it never seemed to be enough. It was like putting money into pockets with holes in them. Things would just go away. It says in verse 25, the generous person will be prosperous. And the person who waters will himself be watered. That's a principle from the Word of God. That is a principle of God's teaching upon your life. I'm not making that up. God says, you want to increase, you scatter. To keep will only cause you to be in want. To be generous. To water is to be watered. I can only tell you that I learned a great lesson from just watching our family. My wife and I gave. We gave unto the Lord. We didn't give a percentage. We gave what we thought was right unto God. Our kids, our kids never went to a dentist. Both of our kids, they never had a cavity. What's with that? We've got all kinds of cavities. Kids never needed braces. I can't even tell you how much money we must have saved. Because luckily, we had kids with good teeth. Now, I want nothing luck about it. It is my deepest belief that God cared for us, gave us that blessing. I am a testimony that you cannot outgive God. It is impossible. Now, this principle is not only in the Old Testament. I, I mentioned to you last week, take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. The principles are just right here before your eyes and my eyes. And what I'm going to teach you in the weeks to come is how this principle is true. Now, in the Old Testament, the promises were mostly physical promises, the land and, and, and health and all of that. Today, the promises are spiritual. You might say to yourself, aha, I knew there was a hook. Well, I'll tell you, I'm going to teach you that is, you, it, when, when we get through with this, you're going to find out that you'd, you'd trade... Physical for spiritual every time. Spiritual is the blessings. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6, listen to what Paul says. Now this I say, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the person who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. I've not made that up. And you can't, you can't read that any other way than what it is. God asks us to give from our heart 
willingly to him whatever portion that is that you feel comfortable to give out of the the fruit, the, the first fruits that you get. Let's look at the attitude of God on those who try to cheat against him. Uh, this place in scripture kind of makes me weep in a way. Look at Malachi. Uh, if you're, you're in, you're in uh, um, Second Corinthians, Malachi is the, the book just before Matthew. So it's not that difficult to find. First book in the New Testament is Matthew. The book just before Matthew is Malachi. And look at the first chapter. Malachi speaks to the people in representing God. And when you read these words that I'm going to read with you, take them to heart, listen to them, and it just moves my spirit. It does. Look at verse 6. God is speaking. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. God says, then, if I am a father, where's my honor? If I am a master... Where's my respect, says the Lord of hosts to you, O priest, who despise his name? I read that, folks, and I'm telling you, I can't get past that. I believe with all my heart, he is my Lord and my Savior. He is my Father who is in heaven. And yet, do I honor him? Do I respect him with my life? Watch what he says. It just... It just takes on such weight. He says this to the priests who have despised his name, but they say, how have we despised your name? He says, you are presenting defiled food upon my altar. But you say, how have we defiled you? In that you say the table of the Lord is to be despised. But when you present the blind for sacrifices... God says, is that not evil? And when you present the lame and the sick, is that not evil? He says, look, why not offer it to your governor? Would he be pleased with you? Or would he receive you kindly? I mean, look, he says you're treating people on this earth, governors and princes. When you you, you pay your taxes, you give all that you owe, but you, you cheat the Lord? You don't honor me, he says. You don't respect me. It's just an amazing place in the Word of God. It just gets to the very core of who I am as a believer. I want Him to be my Father. I want Him to be my Master. So therefore, I ought to respect Him and I ought to honor Him. So many of us are offering lame animals. In other words, just, just, just giving Him once in a while something. You know, am I supposed to give in church? Oh, shoot, I didn't bring anything Ah, do it next week. Do it next week. Look at chapter 3 of Malachi. Watch the promise. He says in verse 8, chapter 3, Will a person rob God? Yet he says, You're robbing me. But you say, How we rob you? In tithes and offerings. In other words, now watch. This is Old Testament, so it talks about tithing. But it also talks about offering. He says, you're cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe. In other words, all that you are to offer unto the Lord, bring it into my storehouse. In this, in, talking in our vernacular today, it says, bring what you bring to the church, the church that you worship. So that there may be food in my house. Test me now in this, he says. Test me to see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you blessings until they overflow. 
That's, that's, a, that's a promise from the Word of God. I'm not making this up. The idea is if we give unto the Lord our first fruits, the very best that we have to offer, He will take care of us. You want to see this in print even deeper? Look at Proverbs chapter 3, kind of the middle of the, the, the Old Testament. You'll get to the book of Psalms and turn to the right, and there's the book of Proverbs. Look at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. It's just all over the Word of God. God makes promises to you and me that we are to honor Him. Look what He says in verse 9 of Proverbs chapter 3. He says in verse 9, Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first, in other words, the first fruits, the first of all your produce. Why? Verse 10, So that your barns will be filled with plenty. And your vats will overflow with new wine. The principle of the Word of God over and over and over again is if you honor the Lord with all that you have, giving Him off of the top your first fruits, He says He will fill your barns. He will fill your lives to overflowing with plenty. For He alone is our portion. He alone is our inheritance. Now, some of you who love this church right now might be thinking, wait, Pastor, I think you've gone too far because what you're doing is you're giving people the right not to give anything. If we don't tithe, we don't have even a portion of a tenth coming in. Where's the money going to come from? As we close this service, the only place else I want to ask you to look is in the book of Exodus, the 25th chapter. The Lord is going to speak to Moses in Exodus chapter 25. He's going to ask them, the people, to build a tabernacle. He's going to ask them to build a sanctuary to himself. And he's going to do this through Moses. In Exodus chapter 25, it says in verse 1, Then the Lord spoke to Moses and he said this, Watch closely, verse 2, and really examine it. He says, God says to Moses, tell the sons of Israel to raise a contribution for me. From every man whose heart moves him, you shall raise my contribution. Look, all God had to say to Moses was, I demand, Moses, that you go to the people and demand them to give a tenth of what they have to build my sanctuary. But he didn't say that. He says, I want you to go to the people and raise a contribution for me, he says, from every person whose what? Whose heart moves them. In other words, it's not a command, Moses. I'm not commanding the people to give. I'm telling you to tell the people that we're going to build something for my name and I want the people to give whose hearts have stirred within them to give. The rest... Whatever they want to do. Now from chapter 25 to chapter 35 tells of what the people gave, how the people gave, what the people did, making their their uh, contribution to the tabernacle. And it also mentions the promises that he gave to them if they would do as he asks. Then it says in Exodus chapter 35. Turn there now. Exodus 35. God says again to Moses, Take from among you, verse 5 of chapter 35, Take from among you a contribution to the Lord, whoever is of what? 
a willing heart. It's not a demand. It's not a command. It is a free will offering. It's not a tax. Verse 21, look what it says. Everyone whose heart stirred them and everyone whose spirit moved them came and brought to the Lord a contribution. Verse 22, then all whose hearts moved them, both men and women, came and brought. Verse 24, everyone who could make a contribution brought the Lord a contribution. Verse 26, those who gave were those whose heart were stirred. You can read it for yourself. You can see God moves hearts. And He moves hearts when people know and realize and recognize that they are not giving to an organization, but they're giving unto the Lord. And so what we have to do at this church is to convince you, to show you beyond a shadow of a doubt that our purpose as a church is to honor and to magnify and to glorify the name of our Lord and our God so that you feel comfortable with this place. That is why, folks, in essence, we are going through Acts chapter 42, or Acts chapter 2, verse 42. We are going through that so that you know what kind of a church we propose to become, what we want to be like. We want to be a church that is continually devoting ourselves to the things of God. And so we want to be a church that understands what it means to give and what is the purpose of giving as we give freely unto the Lord. And unless you believe that we are a group of people in a church that want to honor the Lord your God, it'll be hard for you to give your hard-earned money unto the Lord. You'll be thinking you're giving it to us and we'll just be wasteful with it. And I can promise you, we are not that. We might be a lot of things, but we are not that. We want this church to be all that God wants it to be. And we want you and me, we want to have a place where we can bless the Lord our God with our lives and so that you know where we're going. We don't have a lot of um, programs and a lot of dreams. I take that back. Some of the staff has. I don't. I'm a plow horse. I'm content with doing what I'm doing today, and I'll do that again tomorrow. I like that lifestyle. I feel comfortable that way. But I promise you, as the senior pastor of this church, I do hold enough of it that I know that we're not going to go anywhere that we don't believe the Lord's going, and we're not going to go anywhere that we don't believe that you want us to go. Listen, do we have enough money to buy this building and the next building? You bet we have. The problem is we've not chosen to give yet. We've not been stirred in our hearts to give. Do we have enough money to build out the thing for our high schoolers and the junior hires in this building that we already are in? You bet we have. But our hearts haven't been stirred within us to give. And so we're not building that thing out yet. We won't. This is your church. You hold the keys to where we're going to go. You hold the whole crux of what we are as a, a group of believers. We will not ask you to give by force. We will not coerce you into giving. We're not going to have stewardship programs that, that we, we need to raise this money so we can build that. No, we don't need to do that. We have enough money. Look at Exodus chapter 36. You don't think this principle works? They gave so freely 
that the Bible tells us they gave, a, they gave to Moses more than enough. In verse 5 of chapter 36, they said to Moses, the people are bringing much more than enough for the construction work which the Lord commanded for us to perform. So Moses issued a command, it says in verse 6, and a proclamation was circulated throughout the camp saying, let no man or woman any longer perform work for the contributions of the sanctuary. Thus the people were restrained. They were restrained from bringing any more. Now I don't think I'll ever restrain you from giving. And I'll tell you why. There's so much out there to do. There's so many missionaries that we can support. There's so many churches we can plant. Wouldn't you like, I don't know how well you know the whole story about this guy, Mark, who had this little tiny church in the theater that we were at first. And he allowed us to come in and have church there. He could have said no, and we would have been out on the street. Wouldn't you like, with all of your heart, to get our feet underneath ourselves so strongly that we're doing so well, that we have so much extra money, that Pastor Wes and Pastor Fred could walk over to his church and say to him, thanks for your blessings. Your money has come back many fold. Here's a million dollars. Build your church. Wouldn't you love to do that? I would. And so probably we will not ask you to stop giving because there's so much that we can do. What we want to become is a church that you can believe in, that you can trust in us, that you can believe that the Lord your God is working in and through this place so that you can give unto the Lord. Because I believe with all of my heart when people of God believe in the ministry and the church that they attend, they believe that that church is exalting the name of the Lord their God and honoring Him in all that we do. I believe that we too, as a body of believers, will give too much, more than enough. It says in Deuteronomy 16, 17, you don't need to turn there because we're closing. It says, Every person shall give as he is able, according to the blessings of the Lord your God, which He has given you. That's the cycle of giving. Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 17. Take a look at it. Not now, later. God gives to you spiritual gifts. God gives to you talents. God gives to you time. God gives to you finances. He asks that you take what He has given to you. You weigh it out. You ask the Lord, how much should I give you in return? And you give back to Him. And you'll never be able to outgive him, ever, never. The person that scatters, that is the person who will receive. The person who waters, that is the person who will be watered. And so we don't want to limit you to a tenth anymore. We don't want you to give legalistically either. We want you to be free to give as the Lord God moves and stirs your hearts to give to this church. To give what He has so richly blessed you with. To give back to Him the first fruits, the best that you have to offer, whatever that is, whatever that is. That's between you and God. 
If I were you and I was married, I'd get with my mate and I'd sit down and I'd talk. I probably wouldn't bring the kids in on it because you'll find out the kids will give away everything because they don't have a real idea of money. Oh, let's give... Wait. You know, wait. Let's think this through. (laughs) At least that's me. It used to be. Now, I'm willing to give because I've seen God's hand. And I know one thing for certain. It's impossible to outgive God. If your motive is pure and you give him the very best you have to offer. I believe that. Something just came to my mind. You people love me so much, it scares me. I'm not loved as much in my own family. You people love me. And I think it's be- I think it's because I love you and I give you my best. I think that's another of the blessings. Never thought about it till just now. Father, we cannot outgive you. It's just impossible. It's a privilege, Father God, to uh, call ourselves a church. Uh, now what I want from us, Father, is not to just call ourselves a church, but I'd love for us to learn enough about what a true church is that we can become a church. Not just call ourselves a bunch of believers, but become a church that, that multiplies itself blesses others that gets outside of itself and and does what you've called us to do I believe with all my heart first father we need to strengthen our own selves as any any group would have to do we have to be established before we can do those things and so may we establish ourselves get a firm foundation of who we are as the rock community church and then father may we branch out, reach out to this world in which we live to help with missionaries, other churches, building churches. So much, so much to do, Father. I pray you'll bless us. And Father, it it falls into the lap of each and every single one of us. We've got to believe and we've got to trust in you and we've got to give you the very best we have to offer, our first fruits. And we were told by Scripture that you will bless us back in return. So thank you, Father, for that. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I do love you more than I can Tell me, do me a favor. Just drive home so careful because the roads, I, I guess, are slippery. So be very careful when you go home and have a great day.